Welcome to Mangara Podcast, a podcast by the wandering for the wandering. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Ineen, and today we'll be talking about the expectation versus reality of being a data scientist. <laughs> I work in the data science field. You work in the education. Currently, I work in the academia and then you work in the industry. So I guess it's a little bit different. Yeah. I would say it's vastly different. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm thinking, should we go over like what a data scientist means for our industry? I guess coming from both of us came from the same uh, master's degree. That's why we both shifted to becoming quote unquote data scientists, right? After graduation, uh, Justin and I decided to pursue very different fields or some fields where we can both apply how to be a data scientist. Um, personally, for me, since I went into academia, most of my work has been really about teaching students how to become a data scientist and uh, also conducting research. But the research doesn't necessarily have to be, it's not necessarily like a very strict data science project because it could be like a very broad field. There, you yeah. can apply data science into almost every domain. But I guess the typical data science project or pipeline is very similar across all fields. Yeah, the format, what I would say, is very similar, but I think it's really the purpose, like the end goal for mm-hmm. our projects that are very different. Yeah, that's true. So my purpose is really to please the senior managers. Uh, whereas, I, I don't know, like for you, I guess it's really to make, make a difference. I guess. <laughs> well, it's changed the world. <laughs> I'm not sure if like changing the world is really uh, the the role of academia, but it's really to maybe advance the field as well. I think personally for the main difference between academia and industry for being a data scientist is that in the industry, you have to think about how to productionize, try how to make it into a product, how, how you can actually deploy it into production to get people to actually use it through their day-to-day operations for like a company. Like what you said, you kind of like have to please your bosses, right? To please the executives. For uh, the academia, it's all about trying to you know the novelty how have you improved the model how have you improved the performance the accuracy how fast does it train and all of those things right so those kinds of things are usually the focus of academia you try to improve the existing models and the existing processes that are available that are already being used in industry but Sometimes industry and academia also cross together, right? So they also work together so that they can also improve the existing problem. Because most problems come from the industry anyway. The academia is like more focused on really writing papers, getting it published. But like in terms of like how it's being used in real life, it really depends on how adaptable it is for different companies, right? I guess that's the key difference between industry and academia i want to go back to the 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 point where you say like data science is very broad right because mm-hmm. what i'm seeing right now is that um they actually include everything under the whole category of data science like say data engineering data mm-hmm. analyst data yeah, yeah. well data scientists for sure and when you 
um, look at those job descriptions and you look at them and be like, wait, this is not date. At least it's not the data science that I am familiar with. I do see there's a very thin line between computer science and data science at the moment. Like I see a lot of schools, they have data uh, computer science majors, but then they also like in, within computer science majors, they have, um, you can choose the focus to be on more on like machine learning and artificial intelligence. There's like thinner and thinner line between a, I don't know, like a computer science and data science and stuff. Like everything is kind of like integrated together because people are realizing the importance, the quote unquote importance of machine learning and of artificial intelligence. Like they're being like such a buzzword right now so that everyone kind of want a piece of pie. Of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't we go through like, um, what is a our day-to-day project is like? So I think the the reason why or the reason why data science is so broad and how the job descriptions are also really kind of like intertwined between different roles is really because sometimes even the companies themselves, they currently don't know how to properly divide the roles because data data science in general is very multi and interdisciplinary so you really have to work together and sometimes your roles kind of overlap you mentioned something about computer science earlier and computer science has been around for so long artificial intelligence has also been around for so long together with machine learning it's just that currently we're actively using it in a lot of the different things that we're the things that we have right now like for example search engines um, recommendation systems, all of the things that we have are all uh, employing some form of machine learning. Mm-hmm. Right. The reason why we got to that point is because I think uh, most data science projects start with collect user requirements, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, try to understand what your client wants and then start actually collecting the data. It's pretty much the same, I think, in any kind of field, even, even in the academia, when you start doing those kinds of research projects, we always start with data um, data acquisition, data extraction. We request data from different companies, and then we clean it, uh, process it, make sure that it's ready for any kind of modeling. And then uh, it's either we visualize them first, right, in terms of exploring the data and then kind of like informing or reporting what's there in the data. And then also at the same time, once it's ready, then we start um, modeling and perform any kind of like validation, perform experiments usually. That's another that's another step. When you do modeling, you actually have to do the experiments, make sure that you record every single um, result from the experiment and then compare the results from there. So we don't usually have any more additional steps after that. It's usually just publishing it and then continuing the cycle of improving the model. In that sense, I guess like what you do is very similar to our team. What is different from my team to your guys is that because eventually we have a product or eventually we have like a data visualization and uh, we within the team has have to do like quality assurance kind of step. And then mm-hmm. eventually we have to do, conduct the user training, which um, is also another tedious step. The user training is really to introduce like the whole company, what our project is doing. Mm. I mean, that kind of 
process is actually something that's already been practiced in the software engineering field. Whenever you make a visualization, it's usually just a software, it's a it's a website or it's an application that you develop and then you have to really train the users or you actually have to conduct testing or quality assurance first before you do the training, before you yeah. actually deploy it. So it's it's a very standard thing in the industry for any kind of like IT industry. And usually a lot of the data science fields or a lot of the data science jobs are always related to IT, like what you mentioned earlier, uh, because, <laughs> um, well, programming in general, right? Data science, data cleaning, data extraction, all of those things are very related to computer science and programming. So all of the practices from software technology, software um, development are actually being practiced also in data science. Um, Right. So as part of data science, right, even for us, so we've been working for maybe three to four years in this field, and it's still very vague of like how we define it. And I guess that kind of like goes down to our, you know, expectations versus reality kind of like discussion for yeah. us because we, we studied in the U.S. So the expectations were a bit high, <laughs> don't you think? Or was it was it high for you, like expectations wise? Have you seen? Have you ever seen those like the expectation and versus the reality of being a hacker? Like uh, ah, that's true. Like doing all the fancy <laughs> stuff and like their keyboards are flashing like colorful stuff. My expectation was not to that extent, but I was definitely <laughs> expecting something that's more smooth. By smooth, I mean not only being like data side but also like the coding side in school like every data set is well prepared for us right like it's well cleaned there's no random stuff and the code was well taught by our professors so we basically just uh, i wouldn't say copy paste but yeah you just follow the all the instructions and you get 96 or 98 percent of accuracy right <laughs> But then the I think the first reality hit really hard. I forgot which project it was, but we scraped all the real data. The first time, I think we only got like 35% accuracy. It might be the machine learning. Accuracy. I think it might be the machine learning in cities class that we had. Oh yeah. It's, it's probably that so. one. I think that was the, that was probably the first class that we had that really tested us to, you know, think out of the box and like really do like an ml project <laughs> it was really hard right yeah i get i get what you mean so so your your side of things is a little bit different from mine because like yeah, you did you expect that you would be coding though like you yeah, would be programming yeah, yeah you you expected it but then you expected that things would be smooth sailing like you would you wouldn't really have to okay this is what i have in my mind right now like like this is how i decided to introduce my work from now on <laughs> because i was really like i feel like my job is like a very strict 80 20 rule compilation as in like 20 mm -hmm. of the time like uh, we're doing like project management like talking to different holders and stakeholders and when the model works the, the sense of conversion is high like, but then 80 percent of the time I feel like my job is a is a collection of memes. <laughs> like I look at different memes. Like this is definitely my day to day job. Dude, dude, you know where memes come from, right? Memes come from That's real life experience. Mean. We make these things and we can relate because they're real life yeah. feelings and like. <laughs> One thing about coding is that it's a problem solving kind of thing, and yeah. with a lot of different kinds of problem solving questions. There's usually like multiple solutions, right? Different paths that you can take to get to the endpoint. You you have your input and your output. You have your like your given and your result, 
But then, how you get there is really up to you, right? It's mm-hmm. either you go through the easy path or you go through like a very hard path. With programming, that's the same thing, right? There are constructs or like different kinds of existing, what's this, languages or no, not languages, like different kinds of statements that are present in programming languages that will make your life easier. Mm-hmm. But like there are also, you know, roundabout, hard-coded ways that you can do to get you to the point A to point B. The part about programming is not really memorizing how code it, right? Syntax or, you know, learning how to spell, basically. That's kind of like how the analogy works, right? With 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 programming and language and like actual language of like how we speak and how we type. Um, syntax and spelling is pretty much something that comes naturally after all after a while right but then in terms of like understanding what your program does that's a whole other thing that's a whole different kinds of comprehension that requires you to really understand how things flow how the data actually flows within your code and mm-hmm. then how it transforms through that if you don't understand your code then you're <laughs> not gonna be able to you know understand anything at all uh, another reality that i think I have experienced is that this is for people who are still studying like say data science um, probably after you graduate when you apply jobs or when you start working you're expecting you start using some really fancy technology like <laughs> like deep learning like extreme or something like that sometimes not necessarily I still do a lot of projects that are not maybe it's because like I'm not a good 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 data scientist, the methodology is really, really, really simple. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess in that sense, manage your expectation correctly because not given, uh, depends on like the, the, the type of company that you're going to go to and the actual position and the actual functioning that you will be performing in a company. Data scientists may not be as fancy as you expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really depends on the company. And yeah. I think it depends on the maturity of the company. If the company is uh, a little bit more data savvy, then maybe they are a little bit more no, no, no. if they are a little like the the, the higher ups or like the yeah, executives higher. are like a little bit more understanding about like they understand how these fancy models or more complex models like they understand how it works then it's possible that you can work on using those kinds of models the problem with no i wouldn't say okay never mind it's not a problem or the challenge i think with the industry and with the general public is that anything that's black box, anything that's too complex and not explainable is not trustworthy for them, right? It's not, since they can't understand it, they will not trust the results. They don't trust the computer to do everything correctly. They will always doubt it, right? Mm-hmm. They, because they can see the, the kinks in the results, right? They can, like people are, I don't know, for some reason, people are trained to see the, the flaws of a lot of different things. So at the end of the day, a lot of people end up choosing only the simple models that they can explain yeah. and like that people will be able to understand, like a general public kind of audience would be able to understand. But with regards to having like a more complex thing uh, or a complex model, it usually is more something that an academia, like a 
an academia audience would be able to appreciate a little bit more. So I guess for those who are expecting that they want to be able to use deep learning and a lot of different fancy models, come to academia. <laughs> <laughs> like you get into academia wisely. I mean, I mean, get into academia, do the research, and actually do the research to make these kinds of models explainable for the general public then yeah. they would be able to then the companies would be able to actually use them the problem isn't really because these models don't work it's because these models are not something that we humans can easily comprehend mm-hmm. right we're not able to catch up to how the computers think that's why it's not possible for us to explain it to other people we might be able to understand it but like non-technical people are not going to understand like what's a feature what's a what are the edges that they it's like do <laughs> it's hard yeah. it takes i mean it took us forever to actually learn all of these things how are we supposed to teach them back right you know you remember like we were taught that the simplest model might actually be the best model it was in our first ever class and i still and i still always tell my students that this that same thing if you think like a complex model is giving you a higher accuracy but your simple model is giving you more or less the same might as well just stick to that simple model right because less parameters less explain less explaining just means better understandability for everyone else right like i have so many students i have so many students that are like miss i want to go into data science i was like why (laughs) why (laughs) are you sure and then i give them like data sets to clean and everything like that and they're like miss why <laughs> so what why why did they want to go to data science you know what it's it's like a change, change it's a very it's a very human thing a lot of the responses that i get are actually say like it's like where the future is like a lot of the future jobs are actually in yeah. that field so it's like it's not something that you can avoid and it's something that's kind of like future proofing your career to make sure that you have a stable job in the future I do see not only individuals, um, but also on companies as well. Like I do see this sense of FOMO, like fear of missing out in this whole technology trend or say machine learning trend. Simply because some companies simply because they see everyone else is doing that, even though the senior management they don't really have a clear sense of what data science is or this new trend mm-hmm. is. But simply mm-hmm. because they see everyone's doing that, they feel this rush or the push that they need to acquire that power as well. So mm-hmm. when the root has already been built on a messy ground, you can already mm-hmm. imagine the tree yeah, that grows coming out from that root. So that's that's a problem for for companies that you know don't know what they want. So that's a different that's a the whole different issue. It's not really something that data science is ruining for people. <laughs> I think it's just about how people are easily swayed by you know how other competition is actually doing all of these things but then there there is truth to it right there is truth that the future is in the data that you collect for a lot of the different companies they already collect data from their customers so how do you use that to actually better your customer service your user experience and it all boils down to that because at the end of the day you want to make sure that your your customers stay your customers don't leave you and that's usually what industry projects do. But um, but also at the same time, like 
the reason for them to enter in data science is really not a good reason. So like simply because um, this job makes money or like they think this is gonna this is gonna be a job with like huge future, but so does many other jobs, right? Like so does doctors, lawyers. So I think simply depending on these two elements is not gonna make you a good scientist in any sense. But but then because I'm not a good scientist, so like Eunice, what do you think makes a good data scientist? What makes a good data scientist? Oh my god. Um... <laughs> I think one for sure is like you definitely need to like coding because coding requires a lot of patience mm -hmm. a lot I mean patience. like what I said I think like you know um programming learning or knowing how to code uh especially in either uh Python R or any kind of programming languages is already uh, a very big plus but like what makes a good data scientist is someone who is actually very patient yeah. <laughs> you have to be very patient and you have to really understand that Data science is not really getting directly into the machine learning part. Although there will be cases that if you work in a team, you have the data engineer, you have the data architect, you have other team members that will maybe work on the cleaning part for you. However, as part of the data, I think being a data scientist requires you to understand that process as well. That's why most data scientists uh, are actually also taught like a lot of the data engineering initial, like extract, transform, load, or ETL, right? We're, we're actually taught how to extract data from like actually collect our own data from like APIs or like from web scraping and all of those kinds of things and then transform them to make sure that they're actually organized <laughs> and load them into kind of some form of data structure, right? So we learned that we learn those things because it's an it's an important step for a data scientist to understand where the data comes from and also how it's supposed to be structured so that they can actually create the models but sometimes like you know that that part of the job the etl part really takes a lot of time so it really needs to be offloaded to a different person so that another person can focus on really thinking about the solution instead right so the data scientists are usually the ones who think about the solution, think about like, they usually tell the data engineers too, right? What kind of data they need and like what kind of format they need it in, in, in some way so that they can actually use it properly. So, um, so for them to be able to tell the data engineers that you have to also understand how they can, you know, transform the data for you. It's, it's really understanding the entire pipeline of the hit, uh, of how to do a data science project and remembering that it's not a one-man team. You really have to possess a lot of the different soft skills to be able to work together with other people, be open to, I don't know, a lot of different opinions because mm -hmm. data can tell a lot of different things and you can interpret things differently. So you have to be open to um, different interpretations. So it's good for you to have an open mind for all of these things. And being also, patient is being patient is really the the key to yeah. being a data scientist. It's never going to turn out how you expect it to be. Never. <laughs> not only I think the patience does not only apply on the data and process part but also with different human being as well. I think sometimes when we already acquire certain knowledge of a certain amount of knowledge, it's very hard for us to return back to this whole sense of like beginner mind. 
So a lot of the times that we take granted that the counterparty already know what we are talking about, like or what we are doing, whereas most under most of the scenarios, they don't. They have absolutely no idea what you're talking about or what you're doing. So in that sense, patience is what are very important with um different human beings as well, as in like you can never expect what you're doing is being understood by different parties. And you always need to make sure you have the patience to explain mm-hmm. based on other people's skill set or levels mm-hmm. so that um, you can make your solutions being mm-hmm. supported at least or like understood by different parties. So in that sense, patience, um, yeah, with human beings as well um, is yeah. also important. I, I like the point that you brought up about, you know, uh, actually explaining it to people because that's that's one thing that a lot of data scientists forget about, you know, having to communicate the results to other people. They they think that the project ends at building the model, but then what good is your model if it's something that's not going to be used by other people and it's not understood by other people, right? They are, they're not, as, as I mentioned, it, they're not going to trust it if they don't understand it. Mm. So communicating is really a very important step. So it's, it's really a soft skill. You need to be able yeah. to, you know, talk it out. And since we are already on the reality like um, topic for a while, I guess that's also naturally that kind of lead to the whole idea of like misconceptions of about like what we do as a data scientist because they're expecting us to solve the problems that they cannot solve and they're expecting like something <laughs> really high accuracy. I think by high accuracy, they sometimes like it's almost perfect. But it's like, yeah, like not, not, not they sometimes awesome. look at the result and be like why is this not 100% accurate? I mean, because the machine dealt with it, not like human being manually dealt with every single record. You know, I mean, you know what? It's 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 strange that we expect the computers to be like 100% accurate. It's because like the data, okay, models, okay, that, that's one other misconception that people think, right? Models can only perform as well as the data that you feed it. If the data is crappy, if the data is not enough, then your model is not going to be able to understand what what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, computers, the reason why it's called machine learning is because what the machine can only learn is like what what we humans can do. But like sometimes computers <laughs> don't have computers don't have the exact same processing uh, capabilities or the common sense that we do. Yeah. Right. Some okay. some humans we we use common sense for a lot of different things. We try to say that okay, wait, the uh, this is not really you know it's not doesn't it doesn't make sense. But for them, it computes because the data tells them that. But for us, we know that okay, wait, no, the data is some there's something wrong with the data. That's why this is happening. So we have to tell the computer that that's something wrong, and that they have to fix it. And, but if we don't tell the computer, they're not going to understand. It. That's why we're never going to get 100% accuracy. Oh, Even know. humans don't. There's no such thing as perfect. Why can you, how can you expect a computer to be perfect when humans can't even be perfect? This is something that I learned in like uh, studying or like, yeah, just studying about computer vision because it's uh, it's not my main field. Uh, one of the professors said that if a person cannot label it, there's no way the computer can do it too. Actually, not only 100%, right? Like people, to be honest, anything that's above 90% is very high. Very high yeah, point. it's pretty high. I mean, yeah, it really depends, right? 90%. But um, people do have this like expectation, right? Like crazy. So, sometimes like instead of 
questioning our work, question the problematic data that the company has. Maybe like one other the thing, quality is like, of the data. we need to have to we need to have someone actually bring that up to management, right? They they need to know that okay, the data is not working out for the model. So you have to tell them <laughs> it's it's all about communication again. But yeah. yeah, data is data is key. Uh, basically, we've gone through enough reality. I guess like we have toned down, like we have tried our best to tone down everyone's like expectation when it comes to like being a data scientist. Like I kind of want a, a a positive wrap up, right? Like, what do you think the the pros of being a data scientist? The pros are definitely the industry is really booming, right? So. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of demand for it. That's why it's a pro, right? If you have the skills, then I would say data scientists is also like, you know, like what the students say, they they really think that this is where you future-proof your life. Data is going to be here. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, machines and computers are only going to get better. I would say the pros is that. What else? Do you have any other pros that you have? I think... The, another pro that I can think of is that uh, the fact that you're constantly learning new stuff. It yes. can be a pro, but it also can be a con because once you, if you cannot keep up, this is what I'm really realizing right now because once you stuck into a stage of laziness, you feel like, oh, I my capability is enough for what I'm covering at this moment. But the industry is always, always something new that you need yep. to learn in order yep. to be more capable or in order to progress. Yep. Um, if you are someone who's always desperate or like who's very um, eager to learn new things on a very frequent basis, I would say data science is definitely something for you. Yeah, I mean, data science is basically kind of like a, a child of computer science as well, <laughs> right? And even in the computer science field, you have to stay updated every single time. Uh, it's not something that you just sit and like don't study and I, I think that's that goes for any kind of field um, there's new laws new things coming out every single time so you really have to stay updated with a trend um, so that's a good thing if you if you want to learn more then definitely but you have to be adaptable in this field that's a pro what are the downsides <laughs> there's so many right <laughs> where do hey, i start <laughs> let's, let's not let's i don't think we should dampen like a lot of the different people who want to get into this field we'll try to frame this in in a nice way right the downside is that you're not really going like what we said the expectations versus reality of things is that if you are probably working here in asia um, a lot of the data science companies or a lot of the companies who are trying to get into data science are probably not yet well established in terms of that specific field they might be already well established before but like in terms of how they're managing their data how they're doing with a lot of different things it's still not uh, up to the expectations that you see from Silicon Valley, from Google, from Amazon, all of those big names. And the downside is that you will be dealing with a lot of messy data. You will be working probably late hours trying to figure out why your code is not working, yeah. right? Yeah. Or why the data collection script is like always breaking every now and then. So there's there's a lot of challenges that you will have to face. And the downside is that 
you're not always going to be able to find a job that's going to let you automatically uh, get into machine learning. That's a misconception. There are certain companies who are very forward that they can allow to they can allow their uh, employees to just work on the projects that they want to. But it's very hard, especially if you're in the industry or if you go into like a big corporate company that is starting their or working on building their data analytics team. That's not something that they don't really have that kind of flexibility or that kind of time and resource for you to just experiment. They need results. And the downside is that you would have to be willing to bend to actually meet the results, right? To actually meet their demands so that you can actually get the results that they want. And sometimes it's not something that you would probably be happy about unless you're passionate about, you know, building their portfolio. If you if you're really passionate about building the company, uh like actually building their um it could be possible that you're interested in like making their operations better than that by all means that's really good that's that's not something that's bad it, at the end of the day sometimes you would probably ask yourself why are you doing this job when it's not really making you any richer it's really just making your company richer but then you're working your app you're working yourself off for this kind of thing when Maybe you're not even fully compensated for it. Or we're just trying to deliver, like, what is a real world? <laughs> That's it's just, into this data science world. It's, like, it's just, we need to be a little bit more realistic with our expectations for yeah. the job. Being a data scientist, we have to understand that data science is still in its infancy for a lot of different places. We have to, you know, not really compare to the more established ones, the ones that actually started this whole chaos that is data science. It's a very strict 80-20 rule population. Like only, I would say like 20% or less, I would say definitely less, you can get the high on being a data scientist. But mm-hmm. then other 80% mm-hmm. of the time, you're just like struggling within an ocean, a sea of memes. Yeah. We said a lot of things. We're not discouraging you to go into data science. We actually need more people in the field. We need talented and capable people, I would say. Yeah, Sorry. We, would, we would need more people that are actually, you know, up to the challenge of what to, what to expect in the reality of all of this chaos that is data science in the industry and in the academe. Um, and it's very competitive. Just to let you know, it's very, very um, competitive. So yeah, that's probably the end of our episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed as always. It, that was a lot of chatter, but you can catch us again on Instagram at mangato.podcast. We currently release an episode every other week. Um, currently, um, hopefully starting now. Whenever we are free, right? <laughs> That's true. So we're currently now on a very... Um... Uh, can be very busy, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So we're currently having like, we're currently dealing with a lot of work issues, like a lot of different work deadlines. We'll release an episode whenever we feel like it, so it'll be a surprise. (laughs) But if you have any feedback or any topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know uh, in our comments or anything from anything. Just, Just reach out, let us know and follow and share this podcast to your friends and we'll see you or we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.